Hello and welcome to the Venture Fuel Podcast. Today, I welcome Modi Oyewale, Senior Director of Marketing and Capital Records. Modi's varied experience at everywhere from Nike to Red Bull to Def Jam to founding the Trielectro Music Festival have grown his personal perspective with this wonderful network of various influence. His journey will take us from Jay-Z to Kendrick Lamar to his own agency connecting brands with the culture of tomorrow. It, it all centers around this idea of collaboration between different people, different ideas, different cultures that when combined can create something new and oftentimes magical. I hope you enjoy. At Venture Fuel, we've helped over 100 of the biggest companies in the world grow faster by partnering with emerging startups. On our podcast, you'll meet the best of these startups, as well as learn from corporate visionaries and venture capitalists on how you can build a culture of innovation at your company. Please enjoy. Modi, Happy welcome to, to the here. show. Yeah, man. Thank you for Thank coming. Thank you so much. No um, problem. Happy to be here. <laughs> let's let, let's kick it off here. I would love if you could give us just a quick ride uh, through through your journey, maybe starting at, at DC to BC uh, all the way through uh, till today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can start a little before. I mean, you know, I'm from Washington, DC, uh, Nigerian American, first generation. So I grew up uh, right outside DC in, in the suburbs of uh, Rockville, Maryland. And uh, I grew up in a household, you know, my parents worked, both worked at the World Bank. And I was constantly around a lot of different cultures, um, a lot of different music. And we traveled a bunch. We have a thing called home leave. So every other year, the World Bank will send your family back to, you know, their home country um, for free. And we would make a vacation out of it. So we'd stop in Europe on the way often. Nice. And I'd also just be able to spend, you know, weeks at a time in, in Lagos, Nigeria, where my parents um, grew up or not far from where they grew up. So I feel like I was always around a bunch of different cultures, a bunch of different types of people. And I feel like that really shaped me to be the person I am today, to be able to find common ground uh, with anybody I run into. And I think one of the big things that, that kind of molded me was, you know, the music that I, I feel like my parents played in the living room when I was a kid. Everything from like Paul Simon and and, and Art Gar Garfunkel to, you know, Wynton Marsalis, Stevie Wonder, a lot of Michael Jackson, um, just a lot of different stuff. Beatles, Deep Purple, like I was really blessed to be around a lot of that and I also had a dad that would always quiz me be like oh what instrument is that playing or like who is this <laughs> and so uh I remember just recently I went I went back home um and I looked around and realized that all the art in our house growing up was you know was music based and I feel like all of that just makes so much sense now like subconsciously I was always around music and I you know I was a kid that played piano growing up um reluctantly didn't really like it I was playing classical I wanted to play jazz um took drum lessons for like two weeks and I, I got over it <laughs> took the recorder was in chorus you know I did a bunch of stuff and I was always around music but um I say all that to say <clears throat> I got into selling CDs in middle middle school or high school and that's how <clears throat> I think I started blending my love for music with 
my love for entrepreneurship or kind of discovering entrepreneurship. And my hustle was that I would sell you a burn CD for $5. And if you wanted a mix, I would get on Napster on the 56K and download, you know, all the music you wanted overnight, messing up the whole, you know, the phone lines. <clears throat> and and uh, that's how I would get people, you know, what they wanted was kind of like what I think stamped me as the music kid in my middle school, high school. So I kind of branded myself as that without realizing what I was doing. And that kind of followed me to college where uh, after interning at uh, Def Jam, which is part of Universal Music Group, my first two summers, uh, my my now business partner, uh, Quinn Coleman, came to Boston College and said, hey, I want to start a radio show and I want you to be the co-host. And I was like, I don't really think I want to be on the air, but ultimately he convinced me. And, um, you know, my thing was kind of just marketing, branding, even though, even before I knew what that really was. Right. So one of the first things I did was name the show and I called it DC to BC because I'm from the DC metropolitan area. That's where I went to school. And then I went to school at Boston college and that was the BC. So it was just a catchy name. Um, and I feel like that name really helped us, you know, it was just super catchy. I think that it was one of those things that just ended up working, you know, just right time, right place. This was 2008. So after the blog or sorry, after the radio show kind of evolved, we, we, uh, we got really popular on campus and the bandwidth was, you know, back then it was bandwidth. Bandwidth was the whole thing. Like it was about having enough bandwidth to, to, or having enough, how do I say this? You wanted to have people listen to your stream, but bandwidth could be an issue. So if you had too many people on, there'd be like a, a waiting list or a queue to get in. Sure. And my thing was like, let's just record the show and put it on this new thing called the blog spot. And that way we'd be able to have more listeners. You know, right. it sucks when people can't all experience your live show from 11 to one on Tuesdays and Thursdays. But if we could record the show, and put it on a blog. And then, you know, I was taking a lot of creative writing classes at the time as well. So I kind of, um, in addition to just having the, the, the old uh, shows up, I'd also add, you know, an article here or there on whatever else I was listening to. Because you only have two hours to share music. But a blog, yeah. you know, people can always revisit that content. And this was right on the cusp of music blogs becoming the new radio. So we just, again, right time, right medium. Um, being from DC and DC was having a hip hop like movement. I love it. And so from, from there, did you, did you launch Trilectro uh, during that time frame, or once you already started getting into the, the Nike and, and Red Bull stage of your life? So what ha what happened was I graduated from Boston college in 09 and ended up moving to New York in 2010 to work at this, or intern actually at this magazine called Complex. Yeah. And this was before they became the huge media conglomerate they are. It was really just editorial. And they just kind of pivoted from uh, their prints to focusing on scaling the, the, the dot com. So I was an editorial intern there. And I kind of like, again, continue to build my network. And I think, you know, back in 2010, New York was like amazing because everyone was there in the music industry. And uh, yeah, it was just a really good place to be. So I, I learned a lot. I met a lot of people and I was still trying to, to build DC to BC, but 
you know, I graduated a year before and my partner Quinn was still in school. He, he graduated in 2011. So I kind of spent time 2010 uh, in New York, continuing to just kind of get my hands dirty in the music industry. Um, and then I didn't, I, I don't want to say fire, but they didn't want me to come back because I was kind of like half-assing my, my time there. I yeah. was trying to still focus on building my brand, which is, you know, I think in hindsight, I think I really should have dedicated my time and energy to Complex and and because it was really good people there. I mean, Joe LaPuma, who, I mean, again, like I just, it's it's crazy. I was around such powerful, influential, important people in the industry. And I don't think I realized it at the time. Right. Jay-Z was once my boss, right. you know? Um, and I'm not saying he was my, I didn't directly report into him, but he was running our company. And this is a time where you can soak up game from someone like that. This at this time it was Joe Lacuma who recently just won his second Webby for his uh his series sneaker shopping on Complex. Um, he was my boss, a dude named Brendan Frederick B. Fred. He was uh, my but one of my bosses. This dude Toshi, who I, I so B. Fred's now a genius, like basically running that place. Um, it's just it was just a very powerful place at the time, yeah. and I didn't realize what what I was you know, I didn't realize where I was. I was still trying to build my brand instead of really dedicating my time and energy to the company that let me in. And I got, you know, a lot of really good experience, but ultimately my boss, Donnie Kwok, uh, he sent me an email that just was like, Hey, you know, I don't think your head's in it. Like, we're not going to ask you to come back. Um, so I moved back to DC. Um, and that's when I started promoting, I started becoming a nightclub promoter. Uh, I connected with a few other uh, kind of movers and shakers in the DC area. And we created this collective called Rock Creek Social Club. So essentially we started this kind of anti, um, what do you want to call it? it? It was like a club night, but it was more for like the alternative hip hop or alternative black crowd. So it wasn't like the radio shit. It wasn't like we pop bottles in the club. It was more like, we don't have bottle service. We listen to great music or kind of more on the like, in the alternative vibe so a lot of the you know artists in the community and, and i mean like visual artists uh yeah. entertainers dancers all those type of people come to our party it was like a really authentic crowd and it was on a tuesday night which is a weird night to throw a party but it, it began to pop and that's kind of how i think i had a second resurgence um you know because the internet is one thing being lit on the internet is one thing but being able to bring people online offline is another thing and we were able to really do that it was a dope collective of, of folks and i think that was like when i really made a name for myself in the city so that helped me understand how to throw a party how to bring people together how to entertain and then at the same time my friend knew he was working at red bull and when i was in college in mass i connected with him through some other people and he had told um the guy who was the field marketing director brad dancy in dc at the time like yo if you guys are looking for anyone that's in the hip-hop space you should talk to my friend modi he just moved back to dc he understands what's going on there he's got cool parties and so on and so forth so right. brad came down to see our party and then uh connected with me outside the club and i was broke at the time i was only making money in the club and um brad came to me and said hey you know i need someone to help me do some freelance marketing stuff um you know it'll be anything from you know, building and breaking down infrastructure at some of our events to managing budgets for, you know, uh, booking talent.
for some of our events? And I was like, sure. And that was my first kind of introduction to, to working on the production side of things. I also got to work with Red Bull Music Academy, which is kind of like a school that Red Bull puts together annually in different countries um, for just like really talented and talented musicians. I got to be the DC ambassador for that. So I was able to kind of connect the dots and leverage my network and, and bring some of the dope artists that from the city and also outside the city together for, you know, um, conferences, uh, panel discussions, and also kind of like just raising awareness about the program in the DC metropolitan area. So I was doing all this um, and this was the only job I had. So I had all this time and energy um, and that's kind of where, you know, I think we had the bandwidth to do a show. The first show we ever did was in 2011, after I kind of got my hands dirty, working with Red Bull, doing some freelance stuff. And that was with Kendrick Lamar. And that came because I had wrote a blog post about Kendrick in 2010 saying Kendrick Lamar is the future. And yeah. his manager at the time, his name is Dave Free, he was familiar with our, with our blog because he's pretty tapped into what was going on online and he was like yeah i know these guys let's do the show and we were able to put the show together me and my business partners um in a few weeks we sold it out at this club called the 930 club 1200 capacity it's an iconic uh, venue in dc and i think after that was when we realized like yo we really have influence and power like we got 1200 people to come see this unsigned artist at the time this is 2011 so not the kendrick lamar that headlined coachella this is the kendrick lamar that very few people knew, but they trusted our word. So if we said, hey, we're selling tickets to this dude, Kendrick Lamar, $20 tickets, you should come. They trusted us and they came. So after we saw that success, we thought we should figure out how to really get deeper into this uh, event promotion game and production game. And a year later, we went to Coachella um, with about 25 people of color, uh, camped, did all the things you do at a festival, came back. And we're like, oh my God, that was fucking incredible. How do we put our own spin on something like that right. uh, in, in our city? You know, this is a city that's predominantly black. It's a city that's got affluent black people. It's a city that's got a lot of different types of culture as well. Um, and at the time, electronic music was kind of bubbling. It was, it was also interesting because a lot of like the hip hop artists were dabbling in that space. And then a lot of the electronic and dance music artists like the Bowers and the A-Track and the Diplos were really fucking with hip hop. So yeah. we saw that opportunity and we said, okay, let's create something that speaks to both of these worlds that brings these two worlds together. And uh, Trilectro was kind of what we decided on uh, because the trill is a, is a term from hip hop that means uh, true and real kind of combined. And then the electro obviously is the electronic uh, dance sound so we combined those two words after seeing what happened at coachella and just were like all right let's put our own spin on this kind of experience and then four or five months later we had our first trilectro and we kind of just leveraged all you know everything that we had learned from putting on our first show from working with red bull my partner quinn was working at sirius xm at the time so he really understood the dance music stations because he was programming all of it on the air yeah. and we just took all of our expertise and put it together and that's how Trilectro was founded you know it wasn't a it was kind of just like we did it and we didn't really think about any of the risks like we we had three founding members we had two kind of partners who were investors it cost us about 80 or 90 thousand all in 
and we lost $900. And I remember being devastated to put in all that work <laughs> and lose money. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And again, like we didn't do any real research on music festivals. We, we were able to, to snag a, a venue at a great, at a great deal. Um, we were able to figure out how to partner with like the living socials and the Groupons to, to discount tickets. And we were able to get like four or 5,000 people out the first year, but still all that hype, all that, you know, kind of like, uh, attention and to still lose money. I was devastated. So, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I hope that answers that question. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, the funny thing is like, so our audience is, is, is kind of a mix, right? We've got a bunch of investors that listen. We also have a bunch of startup founders. And then you have the uh, corporate side of things. So like, you know, the VP of marketing and, and up type folks that are mm. thinking about how to innovate. What's really yeah. interesting, I think a lot of founders are like nodding their heads right now. Um, because the other way to look at that is you just spent 900 bucks to get basically like an MBA in how to run an event. Like <laughs> you learned every part of the marketing yeah, experience. No. You learned all this stuff for 900 bucks. Like you'd pay 120 grand to go to Harvard to learn that right uh, or whatever school. no 100 percent. you're so right so right it was but at the time a, it doesn't a, feel a that way right experience. yeah at For the time sure. it doesn't feel like it <laughs> Not uh, so so from there like how, how do you end up at nike uh and then i want to kind of dive into your, your current role and and there but um what, what's that next spot because you played a big role in launching sort of the sneakers app and, and things like that yeah well um <clears throat> what happened was um, made my parents look at me like, what are you doing with your life? You need to go get your MBA. So I was taking my GMAT classes um, and I hated it, but I was like, I guess it's the only way to make money. Um, And in the middle of that process, I had a friend who um, worked at Nike at the time who suggested that I you know, he was like, yo, who did all this marketing? And I was like, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was me. Like, it was our team, but like, I, you know, we kind of divvy up the roles and I was kind of the, the marketing guy. So he was like, yo, you should really think about, you know, coming over here and working. And I was like, Portland? Like, I don't know anything about Portland. I don't know anybody in Portland. I'm not sure if I want to do that. Um, so I said no. And then a few weeks later, I realized I was so broke. And I really wanted the gig and I really wanted to get out of DC. I was, you know, I was sick of the nightlife circuit. And, uh, so I, I got a, I landed uh, an interview at Nike and I went out there and I swear that trip changed my entire life. Cause I, I saw why Portland was such a great city. I mean, you know, in spite of, you know, despite the lack of diversity, like I was one of the few black people that I saw out there, there was really good people, community. And I didn't end up getting that, that job at Nike, but I was determined to get there. So I, I think I did one or two more trips out there until I landed something. I feel like the West Coast is a whole different vibe and I, I don't see myself really leaving because it's dope. I've been here for for a while. Um, yeah, now you're, so, now you're in LA, right? So, you hear me? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now, now you're in LA So from Nike and, and you're at... Uh, Director of marketing at Epic Records. Uh, well, actually, I'm about to start at Capital, senior director of marketing, on June 1st. So, okay, congratulations. Uh, I haven't told anybody. My parents don't even know yet, but that is <laughs> that's what's about to happen. I left Epic and I'm joining Capital, which is where actually both of my business partners are over there. Cool. Well, congratulations. 
I know, I know I was a little off track there, but what I was trying to say is I made it to Oregon and eventually I, 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 you know, I was there for a minute. I started working on the sneakers app and I wouldn't say I played a big role, but I played a pivotal role just because I was part of the team that brought it to life. So a guy named Evan Steinberg, a guy named Vic Singh on the sportswear side, they brought me on board to kind of be a producer. And that meant like doing whatever I had to do, whether it's like, okay, you're going to help build some of the cars that went in the back end. You're going to, you know, help us find some music for the ad that we're going to use to kind of promote this, this, uh, this app. I mean, kind of did whatever. And it was a really cool learning experience because it wasn't your typical Nike experience. We were not on campus. We were actually, uh, right outside campus in more of a startup environment. So I was working with a lot of tech folks. I was doing sprints. I was doing uh, like all this stuff that I had never heard of before. And that was my first uh, kind of like experience at Nike was like working at a startup, if that makes sense. So yeah. it was it was different, but it was dope because it was more intimate. And uh, I think I got to learn a lot about the tech space I don't know. It was just really a cool experience to be there. I was there for about two and a half years, but eventually I made my way to LA to work at Red Bull and then got closer to the music industry. And Epic was kind of my last um, label experience, but now I'm over at Capital. Very cool. And so w one of the things that I loved about your approach and background is, is you have this clearly a curiosity, right? You, you see different things and, and you you kind of not to steal the Nike line, but you just do it, right? You jump in at these opportunities, like we should create a music festival. Um, I'm going to move out to Portland, right? Can, you know, it seems like you're spending a lot of times making things happen rather than worrying about what if you fail uh, and knowing that some of these are going to fail, right? You're going to lose $900 despite all that hard work. Can you talk, us yep, through yep. That, can you talk about that mindset a little bit? Because I think it's something for large corporations um, a lot of people, you know, go get their job at Nike and then they, you know, it's just about hitting whatever that number is and like they play it safe and not because they're not creative or dynamic, but because like they, the risk feels like it outweighs the reward. Can you just talk about your mindset a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, I've always been a risk taker for better or for worse. I've been at the same company no longer than three years i've bounced around you know because i see there's so many different things that i want to i want to learn and i feel like it's all about figuring out like what else can you learn like i could be an entrepreneur solely but i enjoy working for people because i feel like one it's another vessel just to, to kind of connect with a lot of people but also it's really cool to have someone teach you something like i enjoy leadership and I, you know being a leader is cool but also being led is cool because I get to see how you think and, and, and see, you know, uh, what, what you think is a good idea, what you think is a bad idea and just see different leadership styles. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, if you're always the boss, like, you know, obviously you can keep on learning and reading and, and picking up knowledge, but I really enjoy working with other people and, and seeing how they work because it'll affect the way I, I approach leadership as well. So I'm just interested in figuring, you know, trying new stuff and uh jumping out there and and i'll you know like you said not everything works you know a lot of the things i've done haven't worked but if you look at a lot of a lot of the people that are successful out here you know the thing that's made them successful is not the first thing they try oftentimes it's you know 15th but it yeah. just hit 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's really, you know, it, it's a great mindset. And, you know, one of the reasons we launched the podcast, right, is I, I love learning. It's like, and it's, it's hard sometimes. And, you know, when you're focusing on your, your, you know, number one job and you're trying to deliver mm-hmm. results on that. Um, and this gives me a good excuse to, to talk to new people that I can, you know, just ask questions, get their perspective, which then you know, makes me a better boss, better leader, um, and, and more in tune with my clients and what they're looking for. Um, but I think that that sort of constant quest to learn and curiosity, uh, and then the ability to go do it is that that's a big differentiator. I think a lot of people like are curious, but don't, don't, roll after it. So I, I think that's really cool about what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate it. On the, uh, so you've got an agency uh, and I, I'm putting quotes around it because <laughs> I think it's more than an agency, right? Uh, but first I, I got to give you some love for the name. It's called Heating Up. Uh, and, and we were laughing before we hit record that I, when I first read that, I was like, is that about NBA jams? Uh, which was easily my favorite video game growing up. Uh, <laughs> and, and so Tell me a little bit about you know, the concept of the agency, because it, it seems like it's more a series of collaborations, freelance projects, storytelling. Yeah, I mean, no, you're exactly right. I think, you know, I hesitate calling it an agency because I don't even know what that means in this day and age. I think everyone's got an agency or a studio or something. For me, it's just an opportunity for me to collaborate with people, right? Really what happened was I looked at my path you know, coming from brand marketing and, you know, also being a blogger uh, slash creative writer, um, working in the music industry the way I have, both on the live side and then label side, um, and also living in five different cities, doing five different things. Like, I felt like I had a very strong network and a lot of people call me a connector, right? Community organizer, whatever spin you want to put on it i know a lot of people and especially in like the culture space you know i dj as well i don't think i mentioned that um i throw parties out here in la or i did before covid uh, killed those dreams and i think you know for me i just i looked at it a few ways one i knew all these really cool people like in the culture and then the other thing is working brand you know working on the brand side you you work with a lot of agencies and you see how they operate, how they work, how, how, you know, I've had to hire agencies. I've hired, you know, my friends agencies, I've hired big agencies, small ones for various projects on, you know, both on the Red Bull side and on the Nike side. And then, you know, doing, and then people have hired me freelance, but I didn't really have an entity. It just was like, Hey Modi, do you, can you help us do this? And I'd be like, sure. So ultimately what happened was I saw what was going on. I realized I had all this experience and all these networks. And I just said, let me create some kind of entity so that when people reach out to me, I'm able to, um, you know, organ. I, I can do it in a more organized way. It's not just like, hey, Mo, do you want to work on this? It's like, hey, you can hire me. You can hire my agency, and we'll we'll work on this project. But the other big thing was like, I wanted to have this kind of consultancy slash agency thing going, working on connecting um, brands with the types of people that they want to to speak to like kind of that cool connected crowd. Like I know those people. I hang out with those people. I have their emails, their, their numbers, all that. So I can connect big brands with the people that they're trying to target. And that was kind of where I was like, okay, I can make money doing that because you know, it's, it's, you know, it's people have approached me to do that. 
So I just wanted to structure it a bit more and make it look a little bit more professional. And I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about an entity. So it's not just like, oh, I'm hiring Modi. It's like, no, I'm hiring Heating Up. Yeah. Now, a lot of people think Heating Up is like a big agency, but it's really just me and whoever I feel like collaborating with. But to me, I think what sets us apart is that the back end is the agency, but the front end is going to be collaborations and products and, and goods, right? Like, I want to connect with these makers, these creative people, and figure out ways to collaborate with them. A better way to connect and work with people, because there's so many great people out here that I know, um, but I never have a chance to work with them. And this gives me an opportunity to work with them. Either on the agency side, I can bring them on board and they can help me with the project, or we can collaborate on a, on a good and sell that and split the profit. And to me, I think it's important to stay relevant in culture by connecting, you know, creating and connecting. So that's kind of like what's going to, it's like the currency, it's what's keeping me relevant. But the back end is what makes the money. And I just kind of came up with it. And I looked at people like this dude named Benjamin Edgar, who's got this ideas company or objects company that, you know, he just makes stuff whenever he wants to. People like Virgil Abloh is like, oh, I want to make a chair. Like, let me make a chair. And that's kind of my mentality. It's like, why do I have to be limited or confined? It's like, if I want to make something with somebody, whether they're someone, you know, uh, popular or someone that's just a dope creative that I have respect for and I just want to collaborate. Like, to me, it's just about collaboration. And that's really what Heating Up is. It's The thought is kind of like it's inspirational, right? No, I think, I think you know, creativity, collaboration, and these are things that everybody uh, needs more of. So I, I think it's awesome. Modi, thank you so much for, for making the time. This has been a lot of fun. Where, where can people uh, find out more on, on what you're doing and follow all the exciting, uh, the moves that you're making? For sure. First off, thank you for having me. This was dope. Um, and secondly, you can find me on social. My, my handle is super Modi, uh, M-O-D-I on, I think everything. I just started the Twitter again. Um, and Instagram for sure. And then my agency is heating up, uh, .co on that's the website. And it's also the handle on Instagram. So, um, yeah, if you want to see kind of the projects I've worked on in the past, check out the site. Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks so much. It was great. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. To discover more breakthrough technologies and insights from visionaries, please sign up for our newsletter at venturefuel.net. Here you can share startups with us as well as apply to become a Venture Fuel visionary.